0: Thursday, finance for our sponsor Pritchard & Partners. Stephen Pritchard, before we look at what's happening with currencies and commodities at this stage, uh, you may have just heard in the news that a study says it's too expensive for people who live in bushfire-prone areas to upgrade their homes and there's calls for the government to uh, help them pay for it. What's your comment on that? Or
1: insurance companies. Or insurance companies. Well, I, I think, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of issues here. I mean, people who, who choose to live in those zones choose to live in those zones, and, and it's really up to them, you know, that they, they keep their houses or buildings or whatever they've got there up to current standard. Now, I don't really see why the rest of the community should pay through this, either through um, government subsidy, which is what we're talking about. Everyone wants the government to pay for everything, and that that's all coming out of our pocket, or, or uh, the insurance companies. Now, if people choose to live in those those areas and they want to get insurance, well, the insurance company um, can ask the appropriate questions before they write the policy and, and, and load the policy up to cover the risk. And then the other side of the coin, what about the people who've already, who live in those zones who have already paid to keep their houses up to, up to standard? Why should they subsidise the other people? I mean, it, it's just everyone's looking for someone else to pay for their own expenses.
0: Yeah, that's probably not the way a free economy works, is it?
1: Well, I don't know whether it's a free economy. <laughs> it's, 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 it's an not expensive fair. economy. <laughs> it's not fair. If you choose to live there, you should wear the cost, either either through doing the um, upgrade yourself or, or paying the increased policy when the insurance company says, um, have you put up the fire screens? And they say no, and you say no, and the, the insurer loads the policy up. I mean... The the risk adjustment of the insurance policies is the way that that it should be funded. And does
0: this apply only to bushfire-prone? Well, I don't think
1: it's bushfires if you choose to live by the (laughs) riverbank. And, you know, in in times of high flood, you should be flooded. And and I think now... I I renewed our house insurance policy the other day, and there's a specific question on there now. Um, Do you want want to be covered for flood? Now, no doubt if you tick yes, um, you know, your premium is going to go up. And if you tick no... Um, and you choose not to. Um, why should you then get a handout from the state? Well,
0: yes, <laughs> this well. Stephen this morning, this afternoon, is this afternoon. Uh, let's move on in the meantime to some of the things something that might be controversial. Used. Something well, something that might be used in repair jobs. And Repairs. Things things well, I don't like know that if
1: gold's going to be used in repair jobs. Well, maybe not. You repair your teeth, or yeah, something maybe. Um, anyhow, um, the price of gold, if you were using it for repairs, is a bit cheaper this week. It's sixteen hundred and six dollars an ounce compared to sixteen hundred and sixteen last week. Um, so it's down about half a percent, re- really not material. Uh, the price of copper was uh, down three percent a week, which is a significant drop. Um, seven thousand five hundred eighty-three dollars a ton compared to seven thousand eight hundred twenty dollars a ton, and the price of Brent crude was down almost five percent on the week to seventy dollars and sixty cents a barrel compared to seventy four point two nine cents a barrel. So into the currencies, um the A the A dollars uh, dropped about half a percent this week to 75.25 US cents, uh consented to seventy five point seven one last week. Um the Great British pounds um, the dollar against the Great British pounds up um so we're sixty one point eight five uh, pence. Uh, against the New Zealand dollar we're up one and a half percent to one hundred and eight dollars uh, one hundred and eight cents yes. New Zealand. <laughs> so good time for anyone who wants to go to New Zealand. Our money's worth a bit more. And against the euro, we're down about one cent to uh seventy one euro cents. Mm-hmm. <coughs> now the equities market. Yes, uh, it's been a bit of a ride over the last week, but we finished the week um down point six to five thousand seven hundred and eighty four, against the uh, stand and pause five hundred also down about. 0.7 for the week to 2,362. And in London, the uh, London market was down by 0.6 for the week for 7,334. So um, we're basically all around the world. The markets were, were um, down. Um, And a few stocks that local investors kind of like. Um, We've got BHP, which is down 6% on the week to $6,342. Sorry, down 6.3% to $24.07. BHP and the other resources stocks have have fallen because um, there's talk about the China economy is overheating and um, they're going to shut down some steel mills and Coal mines and various things, which will drop demand for some of BHP's products. Um, the uh, CBA, which is another lot of stock that a lot of local people hold, is is eighty three dollars and seventeen cents, which is down about one percent on the week. Uh, NIB, which is a lot of a lot of people have that. Um, held on from the Um That's five dollars twenty-eight, which was down about two percent for the week. I mean, remember, you know, when the stock was first given out, you could buy it in the market for eighty cents. Mm. So anyone who, who's held on to that's done quite well.
0: If uh, they
1: sell, well, I think you probably find the dividends. Um, the dividends probably make about it forty forty well. cents now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and um, Telstra well, Telstra's up marginally, um, two dollars, uh, four dollars sixty-seven to two, up two point one percent. And the petrol prices in Newcastle, a uh, dollar eighteen point seven, which is down seven percent in the week. And in Sydney it was a dollar twenty-one, which was down five point four percent in the week. So the petrol prices are all going in the right direction as far as we're <laughs> concerned. Um, yes, not
0: Easter yet, after all. Uh no, but that's we, the 13th, isn't it?
1: Easter's yeah, it is indeed,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah 13th of April yeah. yeah, so the
1: 13th of April, um, that's Easter
0: So we've got lots of time to enjoy nice low petrol so prices So we need to fill pump.
1: up, uh, make sure our cars fill up before then And the diesel price, $1.9 uh, in Newcastle and twenty-one in Sydney
0: Okay, so we're doing better than Sydney at this stage We're doing
1: better than Sydney, in diesel anyhow In diesel And in, and in, um, and in unleaded
0: Yeah, good and we are joined now for our market update by Henry Jennings from Marcus Today Financial
1: Newsletter. Over to you, Stephen. Henry, Stephen. It's good still... afternoon. How good are afternoon. Are I'm well. It's still a bit wet up here again today. We we like last week. We we had one day of uh, fine weather on Monday, and then it's back. Uh,
2: it's a bit wet down here as well, I'm afraid.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, Origin Energy is, looks like selling its... Um, or thinking about or considering selling its oil and gas assets.
2: Yeah, thinking about, possibly doing, looking at, looking at lots of different um, avenues. I guess they've been touting the business around um, to, uh, to trade buyers, um, and they're also looking at maybe putting them all into what they call NUCO, mm-hmm. uh, which would be the new company which would house the uh, oil and gas assets. Um, I guess this is, um, this is a way to simplify the structure for the company, but um, it could be worth about $1.8 billion. Um, but it could well go to a trade sale rather than an IPO, so I'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. New man at the helm, though, so always always, um, always good to get uh, a new man at the helm because they like shaking things up a little bit.
1: So have they given any reason why they want to do it to start with?
2: Um, he's probably read a book about it.
1: Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. had friend Hilmer talking to him about. It. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, you know, it's, um, it's these these things tend to be in vogue for a little while.
1: Yes, and speaking of selling things off, the Australian energy market operators come out and warn that Australia faces, uh, at least the eastern states, that is, um, electricity shortages next summer because um, the Hazelton power station is closing, which represents, uh, I think, 25% of Victoria's power supply, and and, yeah. and and there's not enough gas to fund the gas to fire the gas generators up because it's been sold off.
2: Yeah, this is this is ironic, really, isn't it? We're we're set to become the world's biggest gas supplier of, of LNG yes. um, and uh, surpassing Qatar, and yet we don't have enough gas ourselves um, to feed the power stations and create the power. And this is obviously becoming security of energy supply. is becoming a little bit of a concern, and Mr Turnbull has been doing some serious uh, focusing on this, uh, this issue, um, and there's lots of businesses that are suddenly suffering great big uh, increases in their energy bills, which, of course will ultimately feed through into inflation which is not good for the economy and that interest rates will have to rise to, into account but the problem is that all this lovely gas that we have um, has all been snapped up by these big, um, these big oil companies that have built these massive LNG um, terminals and export facilities in Queensland and various other parts of the country and they're getting such high prices and look at uh, the meat you can you look at our meats, and you compare it to what's being sold overseas in the premium end where people are prepared to pay a lot more a lot of our good stuff is now going overseas where you get a better price
1: mm, mm. So, but you you would have thought the government wouldn't have let them export all the gas resources while we needed it here
2: no. hmm.
1: <laughs>
2: you wouldn't have done would you? but no. all the all these projects that they built required huge amounts of investment dollars So a lot of these uh, companies did deals with Asian uh, Asian, uh, Asian uh, companies that needed the gas supply um, at nice big prices and locking in nice big long-term contracts, so they could actually get the funding to build these massive plants. And the problem is that there's nothing left Mm -hmm. for uh, for us. And you Mm -hmm. close down one plant like Hazelwood, and because our reliance on, uh, or because of our push into renewables.
1: panels on our roof or something before next summer I suppose.
2: Eventually,
1: like Hazelwood, it it, um, it runs out. Yes, yes. And then speaking of something a bit better, um, yeah. Costa Group, Costa Groups, um, which which is sells all those um, very nice berries and raspberries and blueberries down at your local shop, uh, yeah. is looking at buying Australia's biggest avocado farm. So it's good that a local company, an Australian company, is going to buy Australia's biggest avocado farm, and not a Chinese company or something.
2: Well, the rumours were that a Chinese company was going to buy the um, was going to buy the business. Um, the rumour actually was a few days ago that the Chinese actually had bought the business, um, but the owner of the farm, which is called Jasper Farms in Western Australia, which produces all the avocados so that the uh, the Bondi uh, the Bondi hipsters can smash them on their toast in the mornings, um, has said that no, no, he hasn't sold it to the Chinese, and he's uh, still uh, looking at options, and that does include Costa. Uh, which has recently moved into the avocado business. They did a deal with Macquarie, um, whereby so the Macquarie buys the, the, the land and they run the business, um, which means that it's far less uh, capital intensive for Costa to, uh, to build out that production. Um, and it obviously gives Macquarie a good income in terms of um, you know, renting out that, that land for avocado. So it would be interesting to see what happens. The, uh, the, the company, uh, I think it's about $350 million
1: uh, bucks worth of avocados so it's not a, not a small business not a, not a small, not a small and avocados are, their prices are very volatile too Oh, aren't they yes, yes. <laughs> and what's happening down at Bramble's Henry
2: uh, what indeed they've got a new CEO here we go again we've got a new mm-hmm. CEO so a new CEO who's just done his MBA some time ago and, and now he's got all these wonderful ideas. He's a guy called um, Chip Chase. What a, gr- what a great
1: name. Mm, for I read that. Him. I thought it was some kind of biscuit.
2: Yeah, it, does, <laughs> it does feel like uh, like some kind of biscuit, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, um, it? It's a great name. So he's a, he's a new guy who came, has come into the business. Now, Brambles has been having some problems in the U.S. with their pallet business. Now um, Brambles moves around goods in the U.S. on, on pulled pallets. Um, and they did have some problems with that in terms of profitability, and it's been reflected in their share price, which for a blue chip has just gone into, um, into kind of free fall, which is not something you want to see with a business like Brambles. They did at the time blame um, events outside of the company's control in terms of some of the big majors like Walmart and Costco and those kind of thing, people um, not uh, moving so much around and, and the intrusion and the disruption of stock of a company like Amazon, which is moving smaller things around um, with uh, different delivery mechanisms. But interestingly, they've just now sacked their um, their head of um, pallets in North America, a lady by the name of Kim Rumpf. So they've got Kim Rumpf and Mr. Chip Chase. So it's fantastic. <laughs> <it's, laughs> And the management structure in which I guess I, I'm taking that as a positive I'm taking that as actually Chase, it's been a chip chase down uh, a blue chip chase down to the bottom.
1: Clip clop, like a yeah, <laughs> anyhow. <laughs> anyhow. Back to something a bit more exciting as well is over mm. at uh Hunter Hall Value Value Fund. Um, Wilson Asset Management's now trying to remove the board. There's all sorts of fun games going down on Hannah Hall.
2: It's hard to keep up, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, there's um, there's a lot of stuff happening there. Um, we even had an announcement out this morning. From uh, Hunter Hall, um, which has now gone into a trading halt, um, this is the Hunter Hall International uh, business which has gone into a trading halt this morning. Um, uh, it's relating to a change of control of Hunter Hall. So there's obviously more going on there. Sol Patterson uh, bought a big stake off uh, Peter Hall uh, when he had a major dummy spit back at uh, back after the Christmas break. Um, also, Sol Pattersons have. Stake in a thing called Pengana Capital, and there are some thoughts that maybe they're going to marry the two together, put together the, uh, the Hunter Hall business and the uh, Pengana and even try and float it on the exchange. It would be quite a, a large um, retail fund manager with you know about three billion dollars worth of uh, assets under management. So there's, there's plenty of fun and games to come in, in Hunter Hall. Jeff Wilson from Wilson Asset Management's in there as well, and um, yeah, it's, it's 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 been quite interesting to watch, but. Quite complicated to actually work out what the end game is going to be. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it all really hinges on, on, as with all these things, money. Um, there certain shareholder activists that were uh, somewhat upset that there was a discount to the uh, net tangible assets yeah. of the fund, and they wanted to see that uh, NTA discount close up, which it has done. Um, and obviously. Trading above two bucks
1: um, to throw a major spanner into the works. Yeah. To say the least. say the least. And then over at ANZ, which is uh, as ANZ's doing what we're speaking about you know, not so long ago, they were dead keen to buy E Trade's retail broking business, and now we're selling our broking business.
2: Yeah, it looks like um, ANZ, which owns um, E Trade. Um, and has done for many, many years, is has done a deal with uh, a company called CMC Markets, which are um, a UK-based company. They've been here for a long time. Um, I know a couple of the guys around there. Um, They've mainly been, um, I guess their main focus has been on um, what they call CFDs, Contract for Differences, which are somewhat um, more speculative and have a bit of a bad name. Um, but they also have a stockbroking arm when they bought Andrew West's stockbroking Years ago, they're going to add the e trade into it. Uh, it's not happening for a while. They're going to migrate customers over to the new platform. Uh, this, this is happening next year, but in the meantime, um, they will be sort of white labeling.
1: And yes, and speaking of shit eating business, office works, um West West Farmers is looking at selling off Officeworks.
2: Yeah, it's one of my favourite shops. Yeah, I thought like there's great lot in office Officeworks. works. I have a stationery every time I go in there I think I'm gonna organise my life and office work is yes. gonna enable me to do that. So my wife will would be able to tell you that I spent hours sometimes just wandering around the aisles looking at stuff that I think will be useful. Um and I'm not the only one, it's a very successful business. Yes has been looking at um, selling the business off, doing some sort of IPO or a trade sale at the moment. They are um, uh, doing the rounds um, with uh, with a view to, uh, to hiving it off as an IPO. Figures look pretty good. Great growth. Everyone knows it. It's a bit like, um, they call it a category killer. Um, I guess it's a bit like another yeah. uh, business that West Farmers owns in Bunnings is that it's yeah. Very, it's a very
1: good business. Uh, uh,
2: it's a great business. I love Officeworks. Yes. If, if I had the money, I would buy
1: the business. Well, you might be able to buy a few shares when it lists, Henry, because I yeah, think they'll want a lot true. of money.
2: I wonder that. if you'll get a shareholder discount so I could spend even longer in Officeworks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And one last point. We've got a minute left. Um sure. Aust, Air New Zealand, Virgin, and Regional Express have all got together to to work about the soaring airport charges and government taxes. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, obviously they're sick of paying uh, Sydney Airport, amongst others, and you know for, for all the fees and charges and the, and the government mm-hmm. taxes horrendous. I know, I know.
2: Well, as a, as a man that spent most of my weekend last weekend at Sydney Airport with um, taking my daughter to the airport and then my mum to the airport. Um, I, I certainly contributed to the Sydney Airport coffer in yep. terms of the uh, the parking, so you can quite understand um, why Qantas and all these other ones would be getting together to try and uh, you know cut costs. I mean, they, they they're basically trying to cut costs everywhere, and this is obviously the, the significant part of their costs is uh, is the actual uh, money they pay to operate within this um, airport framework.
1: Okay, well I think we've run out of time, Henry. Oh, we could talk all day. Oh, I'll head to office works. Yeah, head to office works. We'll pick up a prospectus. We might talk about that when the flat comes along about that. Yeah, I think you're right. It's a good business, and if it's priced right...
2: Yeah, that, it, that'll be the trick. It, if, we, if it's we'll, cheaper, enough, if it's the right price, price. It'll, it'll, it'll be, be a very good attractive. Buyer. Yeah, very attractive. But the growth's been great, and you know, it's,
1: yeah. like, it's a great category killer. Okay, talk to you next week, Henry. Cheers, Stephen. Bye. Bye.
0: Setting up a self-managed super fund, it sounds easy like that. Is it in fact as easy as
1: pie? <laughs> Oh setting up a self-managed super fund is easy. I okay. mean you know there's just a bit of pay a fair bit of paperwork. Um um I mean and I think I think that's the fastest growing segment in superannuation but but I think um we need to talk about why people want to set up self-managed superannuation. and amazingly that what we get told uh, people come into us and want to set up our self-managed super and the 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 predominant thing is is that they they want to control their own money. Yes. Whatever that may be. Yes. And and they want to they want to um, um, pay less for their superannuation.
0: Yes. So that they get more of what it yeah. makes. Mm-hmm. Now
1: um, sometimes sometimes um, sometimes you. You, you can pay less in a in a self managed superannuation fund. There's a, there's a lot of economies of scales in a self managed superannuation fund. So if you've got, I mean, ASICs put out a policy statement um, that says that you shouldn't set up a self managed superannuation fund for unless you've got two hundred thousand um, dollars. I I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. But you need to look at where, where you're going to go to. Now, if you've only got fifty thousand dollars and you want to set up a self managed superannuation fund, can, can you, we
0: call it SMSF?
1: SMFS, yes, SMSF. SMFs, that's harder to say.
0: SMSF. Anyway. It's harder to say. Okay. Look, a you, fund. you
1: need to look at your circumstances. If you have only got fifty thousand dollars and you want to set up a self managed superannuation fund. Um, and you're only going to, and you're on a type of average salary, and you're only going to put in your nine and a half percent contribution. You will end up paying significantly more than you will. Keeping the money in an industry fund or one of the local public offer funds like NSF, all right? Um, you'll pay a lot more money in a self-managed superannuation fund. Uh, once you start to get to, to, to 200,000, which is what the ASICS guideline says, um, you know, you're probably starting to, 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 the cost structure is probably similar to a, a public offer or an industry fund. And, and you then get your, your choice and, and, um, um, you know, the things you want to do, greater choice of investments, et cetera. Um,
0: is that because sometimes there's a minimum balance that you can Oh, well, because put you've, got a, you've got to,
1: you've got to, yeah, yeah, no, but you've got a self-managed superannuation fund. You've got to, you've got to get, uh, you've got to have the financial statements prepared. You've got to have an annual audit. You've got the tax return. You've got to lodge. You've got the ATO supervisory fee, as it's called. Um, so you're probably looking. You know, doing all those things, you're probably looking, you know, three thousand a year plus. Now, on on two hundred thousand, that's going to cost you one and a half percent. But on fifty thousand, that's going to cost you, you know, More. seven or eight <laughs> percent yes. of the fund. Yes. So, you, you know, yeah, most of the public industry funds and the public offer the industry funds and the public offer funds have got a fee of around, you know, one. One 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 and a bit percent, so it depends what you're going to do. You know, if you if you've only got fifty thousand now, but you know you're going to have a, uh, an inheritance next year or something, and you want to put in another hundred, or you know, and the wife wants to put in a hundred, um, it may be worthwhile setting up the fund with with a smaller balance. But but a self managed super fund isn't always going to give you a lower cost. Mm-hmm. Than a than a public offer fund. Right. Now, one one of the disadvantages, of course, or there's a couple of disadvantages, is is one there's increased responsibility for the members because in a self managed superannuation fund you're responsible. The the members have to become the trustees and the trustees are ultimately responsible for the fund. Now, you can outsource some of the functions um, like the the admin and the accounting uh, of the fund and doing the tax returns and stuff, but at the end of the day, the members and and all the trustees are responsible. So if you don't want to take on additional responsibility, um, uh, self-managed superannuation funds are not really for you. Okay. Now... To set the thing up, it's really easy. You need to decide whether you need a trustee. Uh, the trustee needs to be an individual or a a, a corporation. Um, um, we always recommend a corporation because um, um, there's not much extra cost once it's set up to run as a company. But if you want to change the trustees or people coming in and out of the fund, it's really easy to do so if it's a company you just basically need to change the directors. If you've got individual trustees, you have to go and transfer all the individual investments from the names of the old trustees to the new trustees, which which is a considerable amount of work and can involve a considerable amount of costs. So, so if you're going to do this, do it properly, set up a corporate trustee, that's got perpetual succession, and if someone passes away, you don't have to worry about transferring all the investments. If you want to bring in one of your children as members, which raises additional issues, but if you want to do that, um, you also don't have to go and transfer the investments into the new trustee's name. Um, so after you've decided on the trustee, what you need is a trustee. Um, uh, many of those you can you, you can acquire those. Um, your, your accountant your accountant can assist you with setting up your self managed super fund. Um, so altogether I would thought to, to set it up with a corporate trustee and a trustee to cost you about round about two thousand um, dollars. Then you need to have an investment strategy which the trustees in connection with uh, can can write that themselves, provided it complies with the CIS regulations. And it's got to cover various things about how the money is invested, liquidity in the fund, insurance, um, or, or they can gain the assistance of someone. The money needs to invest it in accordance with the investment strategy. And after that, you need to make sure you prepare each year. You have to have and financial statements prepared and they need to be in accordance with uh, the accounting standards. So they're a bit more complex than just your tax return. Um, the financial statements have to be audited by a registered self-managed super fund auditor and you have to lodge the tax returns and pay the supervisory lay. So th- there aren't these things aren't really a set and forget thing. If you want to set and forget, you know, you want to just have a say in the investments and don't want to do anything else. There's a lot of self a lot of public offer funds now that have got quite extensive investment selections. They're probably the better choice for you.
0: Thank you Stephen Pritchard and we'll be back talking finance next Thursday. <music>